1: The more we strip ourselves down, the more potent life becomes. Having the courage to unearth our individual truths leads us to the sacred space of an open, peaceful, and loving heart, even in the midst of controversy and challenge. While navigating through unforeseen death, the loss of her baby boy, cancer, and a miraculous birth through surrogacy, Julianne Haycox found herself nudged closer and closer towards a spiritual connection to her heart and soul. As she turned inward and stepped back out into the natural world that she most loved, she discovered that within this sacred silence were the answers to what she needed to heal and unleash. Valeria Tellis interviews Julianne about her book, Conversations with Grace, in which she shows that the most important aspect of our lives is how we show up each and every day, whether we are enveloped in divine miracles or entrenched in adversity. Julianne Haycox is an abstract artist, photographer, lover of all things in nature, and a curious and fearless traveler. She is the author of Be Still and Know, a book filled with her photography and meditative quotes, and Conversations with Grace. Kohler, March 2020, a book of inspiration and personal growth. Born in the suburbs of Detroit, she made a solo move at age 17 to Virginia behind the wheel of her time-worn Volkswagen Bug. The bumpy but miraculous ride of her life commenced in Michigan and sustained to the shores and through the years in Virginia. She never backs away from a challenge or trauma because experience has taught her that miracles are always on the way. Julianne lives in Virginia Beach, Virginia with her husband and daughter. She graduated from Old Dominion University where her love of writing was ignited. Have a look at Julianne's amazing nature and travel photos and other interesting finds at www.juliannehaycox.com. And if you would like to receive a beautiful photo or video and a little inspiration from a friend, you should sign up for her short but sweet newsletter. Here is the interview with Julianne Haycox.
2: In your own words, who is Julianne Haycox? Julianne Haycox, I am... I thought about this very, very deeply recently in a yoga class where we start with an intention and our personal ideal. And I have changed that personal ideal and it came to me that morning. It just sort of dropped in and I am the love of God. I am that love. That's who she is.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Before we talk about your books, healing, spiritual growth, I have a few warm-up questions. The first one is, what is life to you?
2: Life is a a path in which we walk upon, I believe, towards finding the ultimate presence of unconditional love and oneness with everyone and every living being. I think that it's not a perfect path. That is definitely very obvious in my book, Conversations with Grace, and we stumble on the path at times, and we also completely walk away from the path. But that is what makes our lives stronger, and it helps us to see clearly, more clearly, and to feel more deeply. Oh,
0: yeah. I have. I have so many questions I wanted to ask you about challenges. Yeah, that is in the lessons we can learn from them. For now, I have another question here about life.
2: What do you think is the opposite of life? I think that I've thought about this before and I've read about this before as the opposite of life, death. I don't know that it's the opposite of life. I feel like we we keep moving. We keep moving and we keep where we're reborn Um, We keep coming back in through another cycle, another life continuously to um, ultimately become the best version of who we can be. So I, I don't look at life and death being opposite. I believe that death is part of life. And if we open our arms and hearts to death and really understand that it's a continuous... and and constantly evolving self, then we don't ever lose people. We don't lose ourselves. We just come back another time. We come through another time.
0: Yeah, you mentioned in your book, Conversations with Grace, you said death is discovery. It is. Wow. And that makes so much sense to me because it's not just death of the body, but There are so many kinds of death. Every day, if we lose anything, the feeling of rejection, of of loss of of any kind, it's a death. Right. So continue with my general questions.
2: What is your greatest joy? Oh, my greatest joy is definitely, definitely the natural world. I go to sleep at nights. I can't wait to wake up in the morning so I can get outside in nature. And I... I live in Virginia, in Virginia Beach, and so it's we have we have four seasons here. However, they're not extreme, and if it's thirty degrees outside, I just bundle up. And I typically wake up before the sun, wow. and I love to go outside first and foremost while I make myself a cup of tea or coffee, and then I go outside and, and I sit and I watch the sunrise and I listen to the earth come to life and I listen to the birds come. And I I mean, it's the silence is so beautiful at that time of day mm-hmm. that I can hear every stillness and everything come to life all at once. Wow. It's beautiful.
0: What an amazing thing. Uh, yeah. The way you talk. I'm trying to imagine. I think I have experienced one time, perhaps. I'm not a morning person, so I can never see the sunrise. But oh. that is interesting, isn't it? Wow. And It must be very different from sunset. It's not the same experience.
2: It isn't. Now, sunset, mm. I love sunset. But, and there is a quiet and a stillness in a sunset. But it isn't the same as the day beginning, the beginning of the day Mm -hmm. when everything's coming to life and everything's awakening as well as myself and, and, and my senses. And I think that when you're, when you've been asleep and you wake up from the slumber and your senses begin to awaken, there's so much more, there's so much more in tune and so sensitive to the beauty of the natural sounds outside. I just, I adore it. Yeah, now it makes sense. A lot of sense.
0: What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion?
2: Love. (laughs) I'm not talking about the love that, I'm talking about abstract love. I'm talking about the love that the universe, that source, that spirit, that whatever you call that thing that's bigger than you and me, um, I think it's it's that that love that we respect one another, we open our hearts, we see each other as each other. We see ourselves in the person we're looking or speaking with whether no matter what they look like. I think that um I wish for my daughter, I wish for my grandkids, I wish for uh, the new generation to love in the way that means understanding, no separateness, no judgment. I don't think that's too much to ask for. I also don't feel fear from someone that doesn't look like me or someone that doesn't look like what I'm used to. That is really
0: beautiful though. That might be a challenge. I try to be very compassionate for people who can live this way, experience what you experience, because they, they don't know yet. That's why they act the way they do. But it's um it's amazing when a human being can do that, can go beyond the differences and, and just go back to union and just see the what connects all of us and everything, not just people, but nature.
2: Well, and, you know, I think that when... You allow yourself to live in oneness and without separation. Your heart has a natural expansion and it's so profound, and the opening is so real that life becomes filled with the essence of love and ease and peace so i think i would love for people to understand that you know when you feel stressed or you feel or you're being negative and and that's is stress and it fills your body that's because it's it's not the truth negativity is and judgment and fear are not the truth and it feels unnatural for that very reason truth truth is a feeling of ease, because it's acceptance. Wow, that is so
0: true. So true. And that's funny because it's easy to know, isn't it? so easy. It is. But most of us, we get caught up, We get we go back. And that's funny. Do you experience this going back to illusion, knowing the truth, living the truth, and then being drawn to what is not?
2: I think I did in the past, but I feel um, so anchored in my heart opening. And I feel so anchored in my heart and in that essence of love that I am unshakable. I really am unshakable. And I used to worry about, oh, gosh, people think, well, gosh, she's being so, you know, positive or too positive or a little soft here. Uh, That doesn't bother me. I not, that doesn't bother me anymore. I think that, uh, and I've noticed that the more I stay loyal to what I believe and just the simple virtue of love and oneness, people start to feel it. They start to feel that energy because it's real. It's there. It's real. I, try to live it every moment of every day of my life. And I feel an ease from people that are in my presence. That's um, a sign, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think that so many times we worry about what other people think. And then we ourselves are putting that negative thought out there. They may not be thinking that at all. (laughs) So true. (laughs) so we're bringing our own energy down and we're bringing our own energy to a place which is away from where we really want to center so we create all
0: these uh, the illusions we create in ourselves
2: exactly so
0: true where what and who is god to you
2: god is me god is you god is everything that i see god is a love an essence a a power that is always available to every single one of us. I really feel that with all the miracles that I've had in my life, whether they be related to health, whether they involve a hummingbird, whether they involve a miraculous birth, that God was always listening, even when I didn't ask for that attention. Always listening and always available. And even though I didn't always feel like I was in direct connection, that connection was always there. So I think that, um, I mean, God is my life in a spiritual and very abstract way.
0: I love that um, the way you said that God is everywhere. What
2: do you think is the purpose of your life? Well, I'd have to say the purpose of my life after all of the challenges that I've faced, purpose of my life is to show others that these challenges are lessons. They are not challenges. They're lessons and they're gifts. And they bring us forward into the life that we're supposed to live. And they, they open our eyes. They open our hearts. They open our souls and I would not take away any of the challenges that I have faced in my life because from every challenge came a profound and remarkable gift.
0: How wonderful, yeah, to uh, to speak like this after knowing, because yeah, I read your book and I know what you've been through. That is, I mean, that's, I consider a miracle. Oh, thank you. Your photography is absolutely beautiful. (laughs) I I just spent a lot of time looking at it. Thank you. It kind of transports the mind to this um, calm and peaceful place. So my question is about photography. What inspired you to become a photographer? That's question one. Two, how do you connect spirituality to photography and nature?
2: First of all, I became a photographer because I love to get closer and the lens, the long lens will bring me closer to a creature or a bird or a sunset or a moon or a sunrise. So it gives me sort of a, you know, a closer view and insight into the life of that creature or the remarkable things that might be on a moon, on the particular moon that night or a bird that flew by in a sunset that I wouldn't have otherwise seen without my long lens. So it brings me closer and and a little bit more intimately into that life of nature, which I love. I think that nature is, there's so much spirituality. There is so much spirit in nature. I think that the natural world is is really God's way of communicating with humans. There's so much to learn out there. There's, I'm a big follower and student of animal medicine, and I'm constantly referring to my books for the meaning and the lesson from a particular bird or a particular creature. And it is remarkable how a particular bird will show up or a fox or a turtle or a raccoon or whatever it may be will show up simultaneously with exactly what is happening in my life at that time. So the message from nature, the messages are out there. And you, it, I believe that, like I said, that's the natural world is God's way of communicating with us. And so messages come through and they come through these The birds and the creatures. And if we're listening and if we educate ourselves and if we become interested and engaged, oh, life is so glorious. It's so remarkable. Yeah, nature, it's so powerful
0: and true, has a healing effect in humans that is undeniable. But I'm wondering if photography can do the same thing.
2: Well, I think so because. I'm still, like I say, I, I'm still out in the natural world. I'm outside, I'm outdoors. For instance, if I have dolphins that have been swimming in the water behind my house this winter and they come by about the same time every morning and the sun is just starting to rise. So sometimes it's a little too dark to get the photograph, but other other times the sun or the you know the sun rays just in the perfect place where the dolphin will jump and even if i don't get that picture in that frame i still have seen the eye of the dolphin which i wouldn't have seen otherwise through the lens of my camera and then let's say i i did get the picture and i download it to my computer and i it makes my heart stop sometimes when i see the actual photograph and the image that I captured because as I'm out there, I'm snapping, snapping, snapping. At The other day I, I had, you know, I've had blue jays just going crazy in my backyard. And the other day I was snapping many, many pictures. Blue jays are typically very skittish, but they were just putting on a show for me. And I had some beautiful, beautiful shots, but there was one, photo in particular that just made it just took my breath away and i'm going to be sharing it soon and putting it on my website soon through one of my one of my newsletters but the blue jay was actually laying his head down on the limb it's just priceless just absolutely stunning so that sort of gift and blessing that i consider a blessing it just keeps me it i it keeps me going it, it's it's beautiful Yes, yeah, so in a way, it's like
0: capturing a magical moment. Absolutely. Because a lot of times we can't do that with the naked eye, right? It's not, we're so distracted by so many things. Absolutely. So that's what it is. How beautiful. Yeah, I always wonder because I see a lot of people taking pictures of nature all the time, taking pictures in, in general. And I see that they are having this amazing experience right there. And I was just wondering what it is exactly. Um, yeah.
2: It's a connection, I guess. I think it's a connection. I think it's a connection to, And a focus with no pun intended. I think there's a focus. It it, it brings you to focus on whatever it is that you're taking a picture of. And so you see for a few seconds or a few minutes, however many frames you take, you're focused on that being, which is pretty special because otherwise life is just zipping right by. That's true. And most of
0: us live this way, just going from one distraction to another. Right. Right. True. You wrote two books, Be Still and Know, and the memoir, Conversations with Grace. What inspired you to become a writer?
2: Well, I have to say that um, I have always been a writer of sorts, and you know, writing in my journal or simply on torn pieces of paper it helps me to. It's always helped me to organize my thoughts and, and even allowed me to have curious or inquisitive conversations with myself. But when I was my my mother passed away in two thousand fourteen, and at the same time. I had friendships of 25 years slipping through my hands, and it all happened. It just, even though I've had many, many challenges in my life, as you have read in my book, this particular time in 2014, it was coming at me all at once. And it was very, very harsh. And it was, I felt like I was in the middle of a powerful force that just it was just raging in my life and i i didn't know what to do so i stopped and i went back out into nature like i always did as a little girl that was my solace and i started to just sit outside and slow down because i felt like the only way i can get back to myself is through myself i can't get back to myself with the help of anyone else. I can't get back to myself by blaming anyone else. I can't get back to myself by being fearful or angry. So I've always been very truthful with myself in my life, but this stage was sort of piling it all on and asking me to do it, do a really harsh cleanse. The silence and the stillness that i experienced just started to really really take over and the more quiet i became in my thoughts even though my thoughts were filled with what in the world has happened and why is this happening there was i was still finding the layers of stillness in between and i kept getting this vision this loop and always first in the loop was a book and it was very obvious that it was a photography book and it on the front cover, it said, be still and no. And I would see in the vision, the pages would flip and it would show me that it was photography. And then in this, and it was, these, these loops were continuous and they were, maybe they lasted uh, 30 seconds. And in the second part of the loop was conversations with grace and it was also flipped through and showed me that it was a written book. And this vision kept coming and it kept coming. And I thought, okay. And I started to put together Be Still and Know. And from that, when I finished with Be Still and Know, and it was out in the world, I then found myself purchasing a desk and I found myself... Walking upstairs and sitting at the desk for hours and hours and writing. And I'm a writer with a piece of paper and a pen. I don't necessarily write on my computer. However, I had to obviously transfer all. Of it. But I wrote and I wrote and wrote. And I would spend hours. And some days I wouldn't write at all. But there were days that I would spend hours while I was writing and before I came up to write and after I came down from writing and finished my day. I never really thought about, why am I doing this? I just kept going. I just kept going. And then one day I was finished and I heard, you're finished. That's it. Now make this happen. And one thing led to another.
0: So would you say the inspiration came from intuition?
2: Absolutely. I think that we all have intuition or we all have it. We just, we just need to be still and listen and listen for it and allow it to enter.
0: Do you believe that we need to be in silence to listen to that voice of intuition or we can listen to it
2: at any moment? I think that at any moment, I think it drops in. Um, I think it, you know, it drops in at many different, in many different scenarios. You know, if you're uncomfortable with someone, your intuition will tell you, but it's in the pause. It may not be the silence because we're not always afforded the silence. I think it's in the pause that allows the intuition to find its way in. So you hear it, you feel it and you honor it versus, you know, quickly washing over it. I think that when we're not afforded big blocks of silence, we can use a pause.
0: Yeah, I like that, the pause. I think the question that comes to mind is, how do we know the difference between the voice of intuition and our own beliefs or our own desires for life to be
2: better, our own illusions? I don't know if there's, I I don't believe that there is a difference. I think that if we have a so-called illusion of what our life should be, if then maybe we're not supposed to have that happen in our lives. I I, I think that if we stay true, if we stay authentic, and if we stay grounded in our intentions, they're not illusions. They are... There are intentions, and I think that if we we can make our intentions manifest by believing in ourselves and having faith that there's guidance out there from the universe and something bigger than us. And if we live in a way that our hearts are open and we live a life of service, then those intentions will definitely manifest. I think that when we, when we sway or swerve from ourselves and from our hearts and from our truth and from our authenticity, um, then maybe they become illusions. But that's just
0: my... No, that makes sense, Julianne. It makes a lot of sense to me. If you're being true to yourself, then this is it. It's not, it cannot be an illusion. However it is, good, bad, um I mean, if it is labeled that way or judged that way, but yeah, I, I believe that to one hundred percent, even through our imperfections, and that's probably where life is really real life is really happening more through imperfections than trying to find perfection
2: well, and I think too, and our imperfections, our imperfections are there, so we Know what it's like to feel imperfect, so we're more forgiving of other people and looking at them as you're not imperfect. You're just on this thing called life, and we're all trying to figure it out, and we're all at different stages. But um, and we're learning. As long as we're learning and we're we're trying to be better today than we were yesterday, and we're serving others and helping lift other people up, I think that um, we're we. There's no room for imperfection. There's no room to, because we're all just learning. We're all just trying to grow and become better.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of lessons, as you have been saying, and and I know you have been through so many incredibly painful challenges, and I know a lot of people who are listening to this also have been, uh, including myself, What are some of the most profound lessons that you have learned from these challenges and why?
2: Well, I have to say that the most profound series of lessons that happened was when I lost my brother, who was so incredibly dear to me, and how I learned that Like you were saying that death is discovery and it's discovering our strength and and it's discovering how we pull ourselves out of the sorrow, but it's also discovering and holding on to the gifts that we were left with from the person that we loved. When my brother passed and then I became pregnant, that was a lesson in patience because getting pregnant was not easy for us. It was a lesson in patience while I was grieving and learning about death and walking myself down the road to acceptance of it. And then when I lost my baby, there were so many amazing lessons in that. There were so many things that I learned about the people that are were closest to me. There were so many things that I learned about the people that were there to support me. And there were so many things that I learned about myself and my own strength and my own love and my own belief in this too is a lesson. And I will walk forward and I will make whatever is supposed to happen from this, I'm going to make it happen. So then we walked right into surrogacy and wow, the profound, beautiful lessons that were present there were magical because I learned more about myself and how I interacted with complete strangers that then became best friends. I learned how my husband would interact with complete strangers and feel relaxed and comfortable. I learned how when we pooled together and had the same purpose to bring life into this world, that was all that mattered. We were there, all of us, everyone that was involved in the surrogacy to support each other. And it wasn't... Nobody and nothing took a spotlight. Everything was important. Everything was beautiful. Everything deserved respect. And everything was magical.
0: That sounds incredible. And that makes me think about support because challenges, they call for support. And I'm wondering, like now, how do you define the word support? I
2: would have to say that um, when I think of support, I think of myself. (laughs) I think of myself for my own support because I think that if we depend on other people, if we require or depend on other people to give us support, we could be so disappointed. And I think rather than depending or requiring or I think that letting the support come organically from friends and family or loved ones whoever it may be it becomes so beautiful and so authentic because it's streamed on its own it's streamed on its own it wasn't anything required i know that i i can support myself because i believe so deeply that something bigger than me has my back I believe so deeply that something bigger than me has its arms around me. So as much as I know that I can support myself, I also know that that heavenly, that spiritual, that ethereal support is always with me. And then to top that off, if I do receive support from a loving friend or someone in my family, oh, it's just like icing on the cake. It's like icing on the cake. It's beautiful. It's just so wonderful.
0: Yeah. Wow. I didn't expect it, That this answer. That is so refreshing. <laughs> so um, resilience, just becoming inner strength, becoming trusting ourselves is, is the first support that we really need. Absolutely. So, talk to me some more, uh, I would say, about the power of being in silence. Why do we need it? Why is silence so important?
2: I think that um, I know that the lessons are in the silence, that the power is in the silence, that the answers are in the silence and the stillness. And so many of us go 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 to keep the silence away and to because silence can be a little scary for people because the truth is there and sometimes the truth hurts i decided to take silence on when things turned around for me in 2014 i i made a decision that I was going to stay true to the silence and the truth because I knew it was my only way out. I knew it was my only way out and my only way to heal and transform my life and open my heart and get back to my soul. So sometimes when you first or when I first sat and, and it might have felt uncomfortable because at the very beginning you're you're hearing Your life, or the things that happened in your life, run through your mind. And you don't want to push those thoughts away. You, in the silence, is where your thoughts will come. And eventually, you sift through them and you start to make sense of them and you face them. And then, if you are truthful with yourself and honor everything as it is, and don't try to paint it as something else or blame it on someone else. Um, the silence gives you the answers on what your next step is, what your next thought is, how you should be thinking. And it's beautiful. It's I mean I'm so sorry, I keep using that word. Silence is a profound teacher, and the wisdom is invaluable in the silence. Wow,
0: I agree, Julianne. Um, when you said earlier about nature, that in spirituality, the connection that you see in nature, spirituality in nature, I think about silence. That's the biggest lesson for me when I am next to a tree or the ocean or animals. They're so quiet, but there's so much life,
2: right, in them, in wisdom. There is, and I think you can feel the essence of that That creature or that leaf or that breeze or that tree, I think you can feel the the energy so much stronger when you're when it is in silence.
0: Yeah, and that can be very much felt, yeah, with with the presence of nature. Something that I that concerns me, perhaps I have to ask you this question. Uh, How do we know the difference between spending healthy time alone in silence? from isolation and loneliness?
2: Oh, and that's such a good question because I asked myself that as well when I was in the midst of the raging fire. Actually, in the midst of the raging fire, I knew I needed to stay. When it started, things started to calm down a little bit and I felt like I was becoming more grounded in myself. I thought, okay, you need to have a little time A little time to do something. Now, I, for me, it may have looked like a walk, um, which I do every day, but maybe with a friend instead of by myself. It looked like, um, you know, having lunch with my husband or maybe going and getting a good cardio workout in where i really got the sweat and the and i and i felt the energy releasing from me but i think that your your intuition lets you know when it's time to break out of the silence and break out of that time alone because i think that that i did anyway i i had a longing to do something else. I had a longing to be with other people, even though nature is, you know, it's, there's so many, there's so many, there's so much life in it. And I didn't, I never felt alone, but um, to be with other humans, you know, I, I felt that longing and I, and I answered it. I answered it, but I also found that from the silence that I had spent so much time in and the stillness, I was so much more present and so much more available to the people that I then spent my time with because of that practice of stillness and silence.
0: I like the way you talk about the, the our intuition will let us know when it's time to leave that space of silence and then go back and meet and talk to people and go back to life itself and what it's left. I guess I have another question here. Do
2: you think that is there a time frame uh, to let go of grief? No. I don't think so. I think everybody's so different. I think that we all handle death so differently and and even in my family when my my brother died, our, I I'm the youngest of seven children, so each one of us had a different relationship with that brother, so mine was much more intense. The loss was much more intense for me, but that doesn't mean, you know, I honored the fact that my siblings have their grief looked different than mine. And I think that we just need to honor one another and not put a time limit on anybody ever. Um, as long as you're healthy and you're grieving in a healthy way, and you're not feeling falling victim to the grief i think everybody's different
0: i like that what would that be like falling victim to grief
2: i think that then you get into the murkiness and the dark corners and the victimization where you feel like this is only happening to me and i and instead of feeling the lesson learning the lesson because death you know, like I said in my book, death is a discovery. It's a discovery of ourselves and what we can overcome, and really, really putting our fingers on the pulse of the love that we experienced with that person that passed on, really honoring the what they taught us, what they gave us, the love they gave us. So I think that, when you honor that love and you want to walk that love forward into your life, you can't do that by playing a victim. You get stuck in the death part of it and the loss rather than what you gained by having that person in your life and that love in your life. It's so true.
0: And that is, wow, that phrase. See, I never, I think I never heard it that way before, the way you wrote it death is discovery. That is so refreshing. I keep thinking about it, and that's true. There's so much to discover when we lose something,
2: so much. Absolutely. And, you know, I think of, um, I, I wrote this down the other day. I saw this quote the other day, Sylvia Borstein. She said, I have no desire to fix my mind, so I will not feel saddened by loss. I want to feel deeply. And whenever I am brokenhearted, I emerge more compassionate so I take that also you emerge more compassionate for yourself in the sense that your heart is opening more your heart is opened because you celebrated the love and you grew in strength from that love I mean some people don't ever feel love so you know when you have that gift celebrate it Mm, even if it comes with this kind of box. Right.
0: <laughs> Death, right. Exactly. Which, is, like we talked before, it's part of life. It's not the opposite of life. Right. right. I have two more questions about grief. One is the uh, the healing habits that we can engage in when going through grief.
2: Sure. I think that that also is a very personal thing. Um, I know that when, when my brother died, I... Did whatever I could do to feel closer to him at first. And we shared a love for music together. So I would drive down the interstate for an hour so I didn't have to blare the music, you know, in full blast at home. And I'd have it full blast in my car. His favorite songs our songs that we listen to together and sing and cry. And it was so cathartic and it was so healthy and it was so freeing. I I always felt lighter after that sort of thing. And I always I always and I also felt closer to my brother because um I was doing something that we did in life, that we typically did in our shared life together um, previous to his death. And then after I worked through that initial pain, I started to say, okay, what you know what can I do to take my mind to something fresh and clear? And I started to work outside again. You know, I'm always drawn outside, and I just I started to plant a garden, and I I um, got my hands deep in the soil, and I worked really hard, really really hard at at creating something that was beautiful. And then um, later down the path of discovery and healing, I started to paint. And that was a miraculous blessing in itself. I had never painted. And as I talk about in my book, this angel painting that I was blessed with was just a, the most profound experience that I think I've ever had in my life. So again, I think that when you're going through a challenge, whether it be death or loss of a friendship or something happening, we have to listen to ourselves. We have to listen to what our intuition is telling us that we need and don't depend so much on outside sources. There's so much strength within us. There's so much strength and the answers are right within our hearts. Our hearts are a beautiful thing and the center of who we are. So... Oh, I love that.
0: Absolutely love that. Going back to the heart, listening to our own intuition, because that will lead us to creative ways to uh, heal ourselves. There's so much wisdom within,
2: right? and you know when you're open and you're open to your intuition and your heart is open and it's raw maybe from the pain or from the healing that's when the the beautiful messages come in and the ideas come in i never knew i could paint i didn't know and i thought okay sure i'm why not i you know my life has taken a turn and i'm just i will i will follow I will follow the next step. I will take, I will put one foot in front of the other and I will take steps that are necessary and the steps that I'm being led to take. So intuition is so powerful and so wonderful.
0: I love also the idea of just flowing with life. That's what happens. Um, We're not trying to control anything anymore. We are choosing more than controlling, I guess. I'm wondering if it's possible to prepare for unexpected events uh, like this, major losses and all? Oh,
2: no, and I would never know. My first reaction was no, because I, I felt like, for me, I feel like thoughts are so powerful and energy is so powerful. So if I'm thinking about an oncoming death, maybe, are you thinking maybe... The death of someone that we know that is terminally ill, or maybe an elderly parent, sort of thing. Yeah, I think that would be, in a way, easier, right, to
0: prepare when we know that they are in a situation that um, it's hard. But um, no, I'm I'm actually asking if it's possible to I don't know imagine the unimaginable. <laughs> is it possible to practice this kind of uh, this kind of thinking before something happens?
2: I don't know if we could practice that kind of thinking, but I think that if we have a belief, first of all, in ourselves, and we have a connection to our hearts and to our souls, and we have a connection to a divine source, and we really, really, with every cell in our bodies, feel that connection every day, then anything can happen and we're prepared for that because our belief system is so real and so true and every event in our lives is meant to teach us something and it's meant to bring us some sort of wisdom and it is meant to open our hearts more and more so we can share that love and share that light and help others who might be struggling to get to that feeling. I think we have an unwavering faith in ourselves and in something bigger than us and an ultimate love that we stand unshakable. I feel I, I stand unshakable in my life for those reasons. So yeah, in the way it goes back to what you
0: said earlier. It's very similar idea of becoming our own support, having this strength within. In a way, I thought about this uh, first aid within. Right. It's there. So um, we are ready when anything happens. Maybe not ready in a sense of planning anything. We have not planned anything, but we know how to deal with those situations with wisdom. Yeah. Wow. And then we can become an inspiration to others like you are now.
2: Absolutely. You know, I think that we're we're here to love ourselves and to and to be of service to others and to love, to love others and to lift each other up. And when that happens, in the slightest, most simple way, it is so Remarkably profound and magical that 's what life 's all about,
0: yeah, I love that word magical, yeah, because it is it is a miracle isn't it to be alive. And I had a question for you as still have I have lots of questions. um we're almost at the end, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you this one. um We talked about unexpected challenges, and that will probably will happen to all of us really at some point or another. But what about the unexpected gifts from life? Can you talk to me about some of them? Some things that happened to you so amazing that you never ever imagined that they could happen? I
2: never imagined myself having a child through surrogacy i I never I didn't even think that that, was, that wasn't that was even on my radar anywhere. I am so grateful for that whole experience. I mean, my daughter was an, the obvious gift in that, but there were so, so many other blessings that came out of that and were just sprinkled along the way. It was, um, I never thought that I would be unable to carry my own child, so flip that on the you know the other side of that I never expected trusting and honoring a woman to carry my biological baby what a magnificent experience it was absolutely beautiful and magical yeah, that's something that I can't imagine
0: even myself. But um, what I can sense is like, it's almost like um, that idea of being free, the ego free that people talk about, enlightenment, awakening. Absolutely. That sounds like, yeah, one of those experiences, right? Uh, would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book or your books before I ask you my final unrelated questions?
2: <laughs> well, um, why don't I read this poem that dropped in one day when I was out gardening? I have a, a vegetable garden that I basically um, live from all year round. It's just amazing. It's it's small, but it's so it produces amazing things. So I was out in my garden one day, and this was towards the end of. Um, grieving my mom and grieving the friendships that had ended. And I was still second-guessing myself a little bit, I guess, in that period in my life. And again, it's amazing what happens, what drops in in the serenity. And on this particular day, the silence became even more still as I was gardening. And all of a sudden these words dropped in and I went inside quickly and I got a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote these words down within a matter of minutes. And it says, you are good enough. Look for the light in the corners. I wish you peace. Believe that you deserve it. Come with love and harmony and ask the same of others. Reach deep inside and listen. Cultivate and nurture your ability to listen. Share a glance. Add a smile. Walk with an open heart full of light and love. Reach deep inside yourself. Welcome the past. Understand it. Let it go. Get it out of your way. Don't look back. Pray. Be a lovely friend. Imagine the most amazing vision of yourself. Bring your vision to life. Love who you are. I will be here every step of the way. And that, I believe, was one of my angels just whispering in my ear at a time when I needed it. And I honored those words by writing them down, and I honor them today by living them. Oh, like they are very
0: powerful, though. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, I felt it
0: very much. It's uh, maybe I'm not unaware of, but I needed to hear that. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Julianne. Yeah. Thanks. Nice. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my unrelated questions. <laughs> How do you define success?
2: Oh, I, I define success by living with an open heart and living in oneness every moment of every day. What is to be strong? To be strong is to learn. To be strong is to be open to the wisdom. To be strong is to, be, to look past what it is that you think is bad or fearful or scary. To be strong is to look past all of those things that don't serve you and to look straight into the lesson and the meaning. Wow,
0: thousand times, yes, to that. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself?
2: you know what that was and it was most recent in this this latest bout of challenge was that i had i strayed so far away from myself oh i was so i felt so disappointed in myself at the beginning because i thought why did you just why did you just let yourself go why didn't you fight for yourself why did you become all of these other people become what all of these other people wanted you to become. Why did you? I was so disappointed in myself. And, but then I said to myself, okay, you've got two choices here. You know, you can, you can waver and you can stay where you are or you can move forward and fly girl. Just, it's time to get back. It's time to get back to who you are, why you're here and the love that you are meant to give all this other all these other moving parts in, in our world these days they so easily stray us away from ourselves and um I let that happen in it for a very long time but do I regret it no because it taught me and it and it helps me to feel stronger towards hanging on and nurturing and nourishing who I am and staying true to that person from, from here on out. Wow. I think all of us um, can share that
0: <laughs> in a way, yeah, one way or another, right? Losing ourselves and not being ourselves. But then, yeah, I, I love what you said. No regrets because we know the way back, right? We trust, right? That we can go back. The trust, I guess, is more important. Right. Um, what is another word for healing, I'm sorry to keep using this word,
2: but love, love, I can't, <laughs> yeah. you know, the love is just love. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, again, it's not the the heart and the Valentine love. It's the the essence of spirit, of your own spirit, oh, your own soul. What a beautiful thing. And the spirit of whatever your divine source is that is, is healing because it's it's such a safe, supported, and forgiving place, and I guess that's why I love nature so much. You know, it's safe and supportive and forgiving, and and constantly um, renewing itself.
0: I love that. Um, I have to use the word love again too. <laughs> yeah, because you're right. Yeah. Um, there's I don't see anything but love, right? Oh always going back to it, right. if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change about your life, do anything differently from today forward? No,
2: and I'm so grateful now, now, <laughs> and with that question and and this is actually where I am in my life, at that very question that you just asked me, I am so grateful for the latest hardships in my life and every single one before that because it has brought me not only to a place of peace, but it has brought me to the essence of my true self and to my soul. And I am living my life now in a way that I am proud of the person that stands before my daughter. I'm proud of the person that stands before my grandchildren. I'm proud of the person that loves my husband. And I have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to give besides this continuous love. And I have, they know who I am. They, especially now with this book coming out, they have me. They have me and they have me forever. Wow, Jillian,
0: Um, that's another thing I never heard. It's very refreshing, maybe in different ways. But yeah, I have given all. There's nothing that I didn't give. So you uh, are living the fullest, your full potential and you know it. That is amazing. Um, Yeah, thank you. Because you become a gift to to others and to the world, to life itself. You're just a very, I mean, it's an amazing um, reference. Um, do you believe in life after death? Some kind of life?
2: I do. I do. I'm not sure, you know, I don't think, I don't think about it, but so much. But I do believe because I've had visits from people who've passed on whether it be in my dreams or whether it be in the stillness or whether it be in a message that I know that only they could have relayed. So yes, I really do. And I feel the presence of people who've passed on. So I'm hopeful that they're, yes, I'm hopeful because I feel like we just continue to cycle and move through and Back and in and out and yeah and you know it's sort of like you know when you meet somebody or you have a you have someone in your family or a friendship and that person is just so easy to get along with and they can finish your sentences or there's a comfort being around them. I just feel like that's. That comes from having spent time previously.
0: Mm, Yeah,
2: reincarnation or um, life
0: continuation, right? Right. I also like what you said that you don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I don't. (laughs) Right. What are three things about life you know for sure?
2: This is my last question. I know for sure that one day I will die. I know for sure that I have lived my life Oh in the best and most fulfilling and most giving and loving way possible. And I know for sure that I have given everything I have to this life and I'm proud of the lessons that I've chosen and accepted. I'm proud of the strength and the life that has come out of me from accepting the challenges how wonderful
0: thank you so much again for this conversation it has been meaningful beautiful spiritual you made me cry laugh a lot of emotions think reflect
2: well (laughs) Um, wow well I thank you for reaching out and I you know believe in I believe that that was also intended for you and I to connect and I feel I feel you and I feel your voice and I feel your essence and you have a beautiful essence and a very comforting voice and I just appreciate appreciate what you're doing and how you're serving humanity by having these conversations, I think that you, I can feel your loveliness and your love. Mm. Oh, wow. The same here. Thank you so much, Julianne. Thank
0: you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and
2: future projects? Well, my website is com, and everything is there and, and available and, you know, guide you to an Instagram if you prefer that, or Facebook, if you prefer that, but my website julianhaycox.com is is where I am. It's who I am. It's what I love. And my photographs are there, and and not only my nature photographs, my photographs from from traveling. And um, there's some pretty remarkable um, photographs from travel that I feel are so heartfelt.
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are amazing, right? <laughs> thank you so much again. I'll talk
1: to you soon, Julia. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Julianne Haycox, please visit her website, juliannehaycox.com. more
0: about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.